Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, June 26th, 2022, we continue our series titled Romans, Gospel for All Time. Today's sermon, The Future of Israel, will be taught to us by Pastor Ed Lutz out of Romans chapter 11, verses 1 through 24. But first, here's a quick recap of last week's sermon. God's plan is that his people would tell his story. Verse 17, he's telling us that the only way that people can believe is by hearing, and by hearing through the word of Christ. The word of Christ here means that they would be hearing what Jesus has done about his death, burial, and resurrection. It means that faith only comes then through the gospel story. God has left the most valuable story in the care of his most valuable possession, us. We're the ones that have been changed by it. We bear the name Christian. This is our family story. Would you so embrace this gospel message that when God opens up the door, you can speak into it the truth, the beauty of the gospel. Well, I don't know what your mini-series of choice is, but... Uh, there's some good ones out there. There's some bad ones. But I'll tell you, I'm not a very patient person. I, my attention span is about four to six episodes. If, I, if I'm watching a miniseries and, and, and we watch an episode and then it goes next, I'll turn to my wife and I'll say, uh, Susie, how many episodes are there? And if she says, well, this is episode 12 of season one, well, how many seasons are there? Six. And I'm thinking, I'm out. I'm out. So what I do is I get on my phone or my iPad and I start, uh, well, I don't know if you do this, but I look to find out how it ends. I, uh, I need to know if the ending is worth me staying in my sofa. So it, for me, it doesn't ruin the ending. I went and saw Top Gun. What did I do? I asked people before I went, hey, how's it end? So it, it doesn't ruin it for me. It, it just makes it that much more complete. So Uh, Well, where we are today is in Romans chapter 11, and we have been in the book of Romans for quite a while, several, several months, and we are in the middle right now of a mini-series. We are studying chapters 9, 10, and 11, and in these three chapters, the Apostle Paul has been talking about his heart for the nation of Israel. Paul is a Jew, was a persecutor of the church. And the book of Acts, early in the book of Acts, comes to faith in Jesus Christ and is called to preach to the Gentiles, to the non-Jews. But Paul loves his fellow Jews. He has a burden to see them come to faith in Jesus Christ. And so in these three chapters, he's been sharing with us his desire to see that happen. And the plan of God and the sovereign plan of God is he's working among the Gentiles. What is he doing among Israel? And we are coming to the end of our mini-series this week and next week. Uh, We're going to see the ending. Hopefully, that's not going to ruin it for you. Hopefully, that's going to be pretty exciting. And so, as we see, what is the future of Israel? That's the title. Now, some of you may be sitting here thinking, well, okay, I'm tuning out. I'm not Jewish. What do I need to know about the future of Israel? I know where I'm going Well, can I just encourage you to not go there? 
to hang with us. Hang in there as we go through this chapter. You know, the, uh, the apostle Peter said in his second letter that Paul writes some pretty hard things. Some of his writings I don't understand very well. This is one of those texts, I think, that's pretty difficult. But will you hang in there? Can I see a nod of a head? You gonna stick with me today? Uh, because the future of Israel is a big deal, and I think you're gonna find out that, that as someone who may not be Jewish, you are much more connected than you realize. And that's what we're gonna see as we get to the ending. Let me pray, and then we'll begin. Father, we are grateful for your word. Thank you for your sovereignty that you know the future. You know the ending. And as the Apostle Paul penned these words and shared his heart for his native countrymen, Father, thank you for the joy that we will see comes through his writing. And I just pray, Father, as we read this text, that we also would just marvel and be amazed at who you are and the plan that you have, even before the foundations of the world, to save a people for you, of which we are included. Thank you for saving us. Pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you have an app or you have one of those uh, outlines there, the title is The Future of Israel. And the main idea, you're gonna like this, I came up with this, not a lot of creativity. The main idea is that God has not rejected Israel. How do I know that's the main idea? Because when I get to chapter 11, verse one, here it is. I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means. There it is. The point of this text is that God has not rejected his people. That's our main idea. Thankfully, Paul gives that to us. I don't have to try to figure it out. So that one was pretty easy. Let's look what he says here. We're gonna look at um, the first point See, in the salvation of humanity, when it comes to the nation of Israel, God has always preserved a remnant. That's your first point. God has always had a remnant. First six verses. I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means, for I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah? He was a prophet in the Old Testament, how he appeals to God against Israel. Lord, they've killed your prophets. They have demolished your altars and, and I alone and left and they seek my life. But what is God's reply to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too at the present time there is a, what's the word? Remnant. Chosen by grace. But if it is by grace, it is no longer in the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. So Paul begins a chapter, has God rejected Israel? And he says, by no means. Now why would Paul wonder, has God rejected Israel? If you were here last week at the end of chapter 10, Pastor Bob read these verses, chapter 10, verse 21. But of Israel, he says, this is the Lord speaking, all day long I've held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. You see, the nation of Israel rejected their Messiah. Jesus Christ came, 
the deliverer, the Messiah, and yet the Jews at that time rejected him. Matter of fact, they, they turned him over and, and, and ultimately he was crucified and they rejected his message of salvation. They rejected the Messiah, our Savior, Jesus Christ. But has God rejected them and what's the answer? No. That's really not how it translates. It translates, no! <laughs> this, is, this is the most emphatic, strongest negative you can have. Paul's used this phrase over nine times already in the book of Romans. By no means, impossible, absolutely not, no way. How do you know? Well, Paul is a Jew. And what do we know about the Apostle Paul? He's a believer in Jesus Christ. See, God has preserved a remnant of which the Apostle Paul is one. I had a couple of dear friends here who were here Thursday night. Some of you might be here. Ethnic Jews, guess what? They've embraced Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and, and you're a Jew who has found Jesus Christ, you're part of this remnant, just like the Apostle Paul. Beautiful. Has God rejected his people? No, look at Deuteronomy chapter seven, all the way back in the early part of the Old Testament. This is what Moses says to the nation of Israel. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people, I love this, for his treasured possession. Isn't that beautiful? Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, not because you are more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples, but it's because the Lord loves you. What do I know in Ephesians chapter one? Why are we saved? Because of the kind intention of God's will. Only because of the love of God and the grace of God are we saved. Why did he choose the nation of Israel? Same reason. Jeremiah chapter 31 is a marvelous chapter. I just want to highlight a couple of verses for you. The question is posed, can God abandon his people? And prior to these two verses, Jeremiah's talking about the, the stars and the moon and the earth and the depths of the sea. For God to renege on that, to reject his people, the nation of Israel, it'd be like the universe would have to just implode. And here's what he says in verses 35 through 37. Thus says the Lord, if this fixed order of creation departs from me, declares the Lord, then shall the offspring of Israel cease from being a nation before me forever. Everything we see would have to be gone. And then, maybe. In other words, <laughs> never, right? Thus says the Lord, if the heavens above can be measured and the foundations of the earth below can be explored, then I will cast off all the offspring of Israel for all that they have done, declares the Lord. You know, we, we continue to send telescopes into deep space, all these satellites. What are we trying to do? We're trying to find the edge of the universe. And Jeremiah is basically saying, if, if you went to the far edge of the universe, if you could measure the expanse of that and figure out how big it is, then I would reject my people. Is that gonna happen? No. Marvelous, marvelous truth. 
God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. And he gives you another example of Elijah the prophet. You can go back and read 1 Kings 19, but Elijah the prophet, by this point in Israel's history, ninth century, Israel's become an apostate nation. They're worshiping the, the pagan god Baal. They've built altars all over. Elijah has been speaking the word of God and Queen Jezebel and King Ahab, wicked, wicked people have killed the prophets. And Isaiah, or, uh, Elijah here is, is having a little bit of a pity party and he's thinking, I'm the only one left. God, I'm the only one left. God says, no, you're not. How many more are left? There's over 7,000. I've preserved a remnant. That's such good news. See, God always preserves a remnant. And how are they chosen in verse five? This remnant is chosen by what? Grace. By grace. Salvation is always by grace, never by works. And you think of remnant. I don't hear that word remnant very much. You're right. You know, 62 times that word is used in the Old Testament. It's the only time it's used in the New Testament here. Um, give you an illustration. What's a remnant? A remnant is just simply a smaller portion of a larger whole. My wife and I just finished recarpeting our home. Took two or three years. It's kind of sketchy. You know, we had to save up money. We did a room at a time. Hope, hopefully that last room is going to be the same color because I've been told if you, if you don't do it all at once, you have a chance that the colors may be different by the time you get finished. Well, they look good. Okay, so our whole home is recarpeted. Go out to the truck. What do you do? Hey, uh, do you have any leftover pieces of carpet? <laughs> do you have, remember we call those? Do you have any remnants? And they gave us like a, a piece that's 10 feet long, two feet wide. It's a runner in front of our door. We have another square piece of carpet, a little remnant of carpet, sits outside. We can go out and wipe your feet before you come in. You see, these remnants are useful pieces, but they're really just smaller portions that represent the whole. And that's what a remnant is. God has preserved a believing remnant. But verse six, Paul re rebukes the nation See, the nation at this point had been pursuing a righteousness by works. And so point two, there is a temporary rejection. There is a partial hardening here. There is a temporary rejection of the nation of Israel. God has preserved a believing remnant, and even to this day, we are suing, seeing people in Jewish faith come to faith in Christ but as a whole, as a majority, God has temporarily rejected the nation of Israel. There's a partial hardening. Look at verse seven. What then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect, the, the remnant did. They, they obtained it. They found faith in Christ. They're saved by faith. They've got the righteousness that comes through faith in Jesus. But the rest were hardened. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear. Down to this very day, and David says, Psalm 69, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. You see, this, this, is a, this partial hardening, this is a judgment, isn't it? Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and bend their backs forever. The Jews 
didn't believe, they didn't accept the Messiah, they are hardened in unbelief and God hardens them, he seals the deal. Says he gave them a spirit of stupor. You ever have your, your leg fall asleep or your foot? And you're trying to walk and you know your foot is touching the ground, right? You look down, it's there, but it's kind of tingly and there's this numbness to it. That's the word stupor here. So there's a numbness that God has given them. They have eyes, but they just can't see. They have ears, but they don't hear. And then he says, he's even given them a table. What's a table? Where he put food, abundant blessing, provision. And yet even this table has become a trap, a snare, a stumbling block. Got one of these. There's a table. Well, not really, it's a footstool, but it looks like a table, right? This is one of those little step stools we have in our kitchen so we can reach things that are on the top shelf. Now, I know where this should go. This should go under the sink. <laughs> and when you need it, you pull this out. But we tend to keep this thing in the, in the kitchen all the time. Now, I know it's there. I know it's there. Every day I walk out in the morning when I can barely see her at night, you know, my eyes aren't open and it's really dark. I know this is here. It's there every single day. And yet... Doggone it if I don't trip and stumble on that thing. And if it's really dark, broken toe is sure to happen. Now, I don't know about you, but at night, this thing moves. <laughs> because I'll wake up in the morning, and it's not where it was the night before. I think that's part of the problem. It just must float around. But this table becomes a stumbling block. It's there, and I have eyes, but I don't see it. And that's exactly what Paul is saying here. There's a temporary rejection. There's a divine judgment. There's a retribution going on. There's a hardening by God on the unbelieving heart of the nation of Israel. But what did we learn in verse one? Has God rejected his people? No. So let's see how this continues. Verse 11. So I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? That's important. They tripped. They stumbled. Did they fall? Are they beyond reach? Have they fallen to the point where they can't get up? So, that sounded like a commercial, sorry. Have they fallen to the point where they're beyond hope and utter ruin? No, they've stumbled, but they haven't fallen by no means. Rather, through their trespass, what's that? Because they rejected the Messiah, see, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. Now, if their trespass, their sin, means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their fullness or their full inclusion mean? What's coming in that verse? Have they stumbled beyond falling? No, at some point there will be an inclusion into the plan of salvation. You see that? Verse 13, now I am speaking to you Gentiles inasmuch then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles. I magnify my ministry in order that somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. For if their rejection 
means the reconciliation of the world, if the rejection of the Jews of Jesus Christ means the, the reconciliation of the world to God, what will their acceptance mean? But life from the dead, if the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. Let me give you what's going on there. This is this unbelievable, this is a mind-blowing thought. Only God can think this up. Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Romans 1, right? Paul says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jews first, but also to the Gentiles. Go back as far as Genesis, God's promise to Abraham that he would have a chosen seed that would come and bless all the peoples of the earth. And when Jesus Christ came, the nation of Israel rejected that. They rejected the gift in Christ. They rejected their Messiah. Gentiles hear the gospel. That's us. We're saved. And as a result of that, what will happen? The nation of Israel, it says, is going to become jealous. And in their jealousy, they will come to embrace Jesus Christ. Who could have thought this up except the Lord? Give me an example. I think you're kind of losing me here. What? Uh, I have three kids. I spend a long day at work, come home, want to play with my kids, walk in the house, go up to my firstborn, Jonathan, sitting there playing video games, doing his thing. Hey, Johnny, you want to come out and shoot some hoop? Want to play a little basketball? No, nah, Dad, I'm good. Rejects my invitation. Go down the hall. See my other two kids? Hey, Larissa, Danny, you guys want to come out and play? Let's go out and shoot a little basket. basket. Let's go shoot some hoop in the, in the driveway. Let's go play. Okay, Dad, they're younger. They don't know any better, right? So they come out, and, and we're having a great time. I, they don't know it's, you know, you're not supposed to do that with dads because dads can be kind of dorky, right? So, but they still love me, so they, they accept the invitation. Not too cool for school yet. So we're out there having a great time shooting, shooting hoop. We're laughing. All of a sudden, I look over, and I see in the window, who? There's my firstborn. We're having a great time. All of a sudden, I look. Now he's standing at the edge of the driveway. He wants back in. See, what is it? If, because we're having such a great time, well, I want to come in and play. Well, you got to wait a little bit, Jonathan. Wait till we're finished with our game. and we're done, what am I going to say? No. <laughs> no, of course you can't. Come on in, I love you, I'm your dad, come on in. But let us finish our game first and when we're done with this game, you can come on in and, and that's, what, that's kind of the illustration here. Because of the Gentiles' salvation, the Jews become jealous and there will be a, a future inclusion in the plan of salvation. Make sense? You hanging with me? It's a lot, isn't it? It's a lot. But thanks for hanging in there. Now, this next section is a little bit tougher. So here's where I pray that the Holy Spirit who inspired these words and the Holy Spirit who lives in you, that you'll be able to latch on to these verses and internalize these and, and have the Holy Spirit illuminate your mind to what's going on because this is some difficult stuff. 
When the apostle Peter said that some of Paul's words are hard to understand, there's a verse or two in here that may fit that category, but let's go through it. You want a cheat sheet? Can I give you a little bit of a help? Before we jump into verses 17 through 22, why don't you turn to the right, go over to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. See, in Romans 11, we're going to take you to this word picture of an olive tree with branches coming out of it. And rather than lose you there, let me kind of give you what it is actually talking about here. Will that help? So Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 11. Remember, through these three chapters, chapters 9, 10, 11, Paul is laying out the plan of God for salvation that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Not by works, by grace through faith in Christ. And that salvation was offered to the Jews who have rejected it. And it's also offered to the Gentiles. But what's the future? Here it is. Here's what's happened. Which is actually happening as we speak, which is now. This is beautiful. Verse 11. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles, that's us, verse 12, remember that you were at that time separated, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise having no hope and without God in the world. Verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Verse 14. For he, Jesus, he himself is our peace who has made us both Jew and Gentile. He has made us both one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself what? One new man in place of the two. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, killing hostility. So you have these two people groups, and basically, when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, there's one body. There's one new man. Beautiful, beautiful text. You know, in the first century, in the temple, there's a wall that separated the Jews from the Gentiles, and it's almost like, like Paul has that imagery here, and he says, that wall there, completely knocked down. No more separation. So with that understanding, let's go back to Romans chapter 11, verse 17. But if some of the branches, by the way, you're gonna see, you're gonna three, three, really four things here. You're gonna have natural branches, which represent the Jews, unnatural branches, that's us, the Gentiles, and you're gonna have this olive tree, to which the branches belong. That's the people of God. Look what he says. But if some of the branches were broken off, right? some, of, some of the Jews, by the way, not all, right? <laughs> some Jews believed the whole, the church in the first century was comprised primarily of Jewish believers, right? 
but some of the branches were broken off. And you, although a wild olive shoot, that's us, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree. We are now one body. So do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember that it's not you who support the root, but the root supports you. Verse 19, then you will say, well, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief, but you stand fast through faith so that you do not become arrogant or proud but fear. See how that's really a, a, a metaphor for what we just read in Ephesians chapter two? You've got this olive tree, you've got this people of God, and you've got some natural branches, the remnant is there. And then you've got these Gentiles who were far off, that's us, we've been grafted into that olive tree. And by the way, there's a root system. I believe just from my commentaries that I've been reading that that root is Abraham and the patriarchs, that chosen seed of promise that God made all the way back in the book of Genesis. That sees through Abraham that all the nations would be blessed. And he's essentially saying, Gentiles, don't you dare get cocky. Don't you get proud of your position in Christ and don't you look down upon the Jews. Your savior came from the Jewish people. You see that? Who are you to think you're better than they are? If it weren't for them, you wouldn't have a savior. And it started with Abraham and the promise made to him. And we know in Romans chapter four that it says that Abraham is the father of all who believe. Guess what? He's our spiritual father, Gentile. That's the metaphor. Make sense? You got it? You tracking? So what's the warning? That's why I said, you know, this is primarily a passage talking about the future of Israel, but there's an application for us. Don't get so hardened and so cocky to think that you're all that. <laughs> the remnant is chosen by grace. We are chosen by grace. And we have a root from which the Messiah came. Beautiful, beautiful metaphor. Well, let's finish up. The last point of our outline is this. There is a future restoration. We already got a hint of that. There's a future restoration. There's gonna be an inclusion. We saw that already, but Paul drives it home here. And really, that's what all next week is about. Verse 23. Actually, let's start in verse 21. Verse 21. For if God did not spare the natural branches... The Jews, neither will he spare you. Note the kindness and the severity of God. I love that. We talk a lot about the love of God and the grace of God, and it's incredible. But as Christians, we need to also have a healthy fear of a holy God, right? Work out our, work out our salvation with fear and trembling, Note the kindness and the severity of God. Severity toward those who have fallen. See those natural branches who didn't stumble, but those who fell that are, that are in utter ruin, they're facing 
the judgment of God. They will face the judgment of God for their unbelief. But God's kindness to you provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. What in the world does that mean? (laughs) Well, can I tell you, can I give you a little bit of help? I know what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you can lose your salvation. The Bible is so clear on that. We spent an entire Sunday morning going through Romans chapter 8 that those who are children of God are secure in their salvation. So it can't mean that. So it must mean something else, right? It must mean something else. The warning, I'm going to read this to make sure I don't miss it. <laughs> the warning is for Gentiles to realize both the severity and the kindness of God. The warning to Gentiles here is that they should not become arrogant or prideful of their position and flaunt themselves before the Jews. To continue to do so, to show such pride and hardness would demonstrate their true condition is also one of hardened self-righteous unbelief of which you would face the judgment of God. But let's look at verse 23 and 24 as we close. And even they, if they do not continue in their own belief, will be granted, grafted in. See, if the Jews, if they don't continue in unbelief, but if they come to believe, they will be grafted in. For God has the power to graft them in again. For if you, Gentile, were cut off from what is by nature a wild, wild olive tree, engrafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these natural branches be grafted back into their own olive tree? You see, there is a future for the nation of Israel. There is going to be uh, be a regrafting back in to the salvation of the Jews through faith in Jesus Christ. So what's our main point? Has God rejected Israel? The answer is no. no. But is there an application for us? As believers, don't get cocky. (laughs) Stay humble. We are saved by grace. Don't become hard to the things of God. And don't start to flaunt your faith as if you have some special privilege. It's only by the grace of God. Another thing I think is, man, don't write anybody off. Do you have people in your life, maybe in your family, in your your circle of friends that you think, man, I've tried to share my faith. I've tried to love them. They are so hard. No matter what I do, I just can't break through. Well, you don't have to break through. You're just called to preach the gospel and to love them in Jesus Christ. It's God who can turn a heart of stone into a heart of flesh. Don't give up. (laughs) The story's not over. And God, by his grace, may have a a future salvation for them, but at this moment, we think, oh, they're just so hard. They're beyond hope. Don't believe that. Continue to pray that God would show himself. Don't give up on those who right now seem to be so hard to the gospel. Well, as we call up the worship team, we have the privilege to celebrate communion. One of the reasons we take communion on a regular basis is to keep our hearts tender, that we can always remember what it is that Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. 
as our servers come forward, if you need the elements, would you raise your hand and we can get those for you? Raise your hand. We'll get that for you. You see, Jesus Christ came to save. He came to offer himself as a sacrifice for our sins. And this morning, we have the opportunity to pause and reflect as humble, grateful people for the precious gift that Jesus gave on our behalf. Paul writes these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Don't become hardened. Don't forget. Give thanks for what Jesus did for you. In the same way, he took the cup and after supper saying, this cup is now the new covenant in my blood. Do this, I love this, as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Heavenly Father, thank you for the precious gift of salvation through your Son. Thank you for your grace. Lord, each of us at some point were hardened to the things of God and yet you broke through. By your grace, you revealed yourself to us. You've given us eternal life. For that we are so, so thankful. May the burden that we have for other people be the same burden that Paul has for his countrymen. He magnified his ministry all the more if it meant his fellow Jews would come to saving faith in Christ. Give us a heart like that for the people you put in our lives. May we be faithful to remember what Jesus did and to be bold, faithful witnesses for him. Amen. Well, hopefully you leave here encouraged. Isn't it nice to know that we have a God who is sovereign, that he has a plan for history that he is working out, and we know that he is good and perfect and righteous and holy and just? pray that you also realize what he's done for you. Stay tender to the things of God. If there are some people in your life or maybe some issues that you're saying, man, Ed, I'm having a little bit difficult time. There's still a little bit of hardness in there. I need the Lord to break through. We have a wonderful team of caregivers down here that would love to just talk with you and pray. Would you come down just for a few minutes and let us see if we can be a friend to you. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the sweet, sweet communion of the Holy Spirit rest and abide upon each of you till we meet again.